Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at ADCES24.org. Hello, and welcome to ADCES's podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm your host, Angela Forfia, the Associate Director of Diabetes Education and Prevention Programs at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. At ADCES, we love to discuss new models of care that help you reach and treat people with diabetes or at risk for diabetes more efficiently and effectively. We've covered theorems of population health and individualized care in previous episodes of The Huddle. But today, we'll bring you a conversation full of real practical knowledge from the field, complete with tools and resources you can access and use yourself. Joining us today are two guests from the National Center for Farmworker Health, or NCFH, a national organization that for 47 years has been working to improve the health of agricultural workers and their families. Maria Bustamante and Megan Martinez are involved in the Diabetes Care and Prevention Programs at NCFH. And join us today to share some of the work they're doing to improve health outcomes for this vital workforce. While this topic may sound niche at first, I'm sure you'll recognize the challenges faced by agricultural workers, especially if you're working within immigrant communities, in rural or agricultural settings, or with men with physically demanding jobs. You'll hear how Megan and Maria's teams developed resources to meet people with prediabetes or diabetes where they are, and we'll tell you how you can access these tools for your own practice. Megan, Maria, welcome to the huddle. Could you kick us off by introducing yourselves and the work you do at NCFH? Hello, thank you so much for having us today. I'm Megan Martinez, and I've worked as a diabetes coordinator with the National Center for Farmworker Health since November of 2020, so about a year and a half now. I work closely with many different health centers and partners focused on the areas of diabetes prevention and management. Prior to joining NCFH, I worked with the State of Texas Health and Human Services Commission, where I worked closely with different nonprofit organizations throughout the state of Texas to assist individuals in accessing various resources in their areas. I've lived in the Austin area, um, now Beta, Texas, which is about five to 10 minutes outside of Austin for the past 10 years. Maria, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself as well? Thank you. So my name is Maria Bustamante, and I am the Diabetes Prevention and Control Program Manager for NCFH. I have worked with NCFH for almost two years now, but I have been in the healthcare quality improvement industry for over eight years. My work has been around diabetes prevention as well as rural health. And I am a community health worker myself. So I have delivered many trainings on diabetes self-management 
And I'm also a diabetes prevention lifestyle coach. So I have discovered my passion in the healthcare quality improvement world and discovered that this is what I love to do. And I love working to improve people's quality of health and increasing access to cares. That's fantastic. So ADCES has been working closely with the National Center for Farmworker Health for a long time. You're one of my favorite partners to work with. Um, for someone who isn't familiar with your organization, could you share some background about NCFH and your impact? So there's so much to talk about. The National Center for Farm Workers Health was incorporated in 1975 in Austin, Texas. Our mission is to improve the health of farm worker families. It is one of the national partners uh, for training and technical assistance. And uh, NCFH services expanded to include a comprehensive training center or helpline, regional stream forums, health education publications and webinars, as well as multiple training and technical assistance services. They're all in support of the delivery of quality healthcare services for farm worker families. And uh, we conduct, besides this, additional webinars, including health literacy trainings and board governance. And we work with health centers nationally, especially those that serve agricultural workers who are predominantly Spanish-speaking. And amongst the partners that we work with, besides ADCES, we work with American Heart Association, the American Diabetes Association, the State of Texas Department of Health Services, UT Houston Health Center, and many more. Several of, of our learning collaboratives cover topics such as emergency preparedness, social determinants of health, and of course, my favorite, diabetes prevention and <laughs> management. Also, we did outreach work directly with farmers and farms on COVID and help them get out the message on COVID prevention, vaccinations, and testings. So as you can hear, and we have done a lot of things throughout the years, the organization has grown and we're really glad to continue to serve and positively impact our agricultural workers and their families. Great. Thank you so much for such a comprehensive introduction. I think that one of the reasons that I've really enjoyed working with NCFH is because in some ways you're very similar to ADCES, like your role as a national training and technical assistance partner. You know, you're there working alongside health centers, giving them the resources that they need to be successful in the way that ADCES does with diabetes care and education specialists. You know, we have our CB and LNG meetings and our national meetings every year. You have your stream forums that are bringing people together to learn from each other. So um, I think that, you know, we're sort of on parallel tracks. You know, you definitely are focused on supporting your health centers and supporting agricultural workers. But I think there's a lot of opportunities for us to collaborate. So let's talk a little bit more about agricultural workers. When you think about, you know, type 2 diabetes and the complications of diabetes, it sounds like agricultural workers face a lot of challenges. Can you talk about some of the risks that agricultural workers face when it comes to diabetes? 
Yes, definitely. There's so many different challenges and risks that agriculture workers face. Two of the main ones being poverty and migratory status. Since they're consistently or constantly moving for work, which that always makes for less consistency in their access to healthcare, routine appointments, and just having primary healthcare doctors. A lack of resources also puts agriculture workers at risk for the development of type 2 diabetes. Additionally, research actually shows that living in the U.S. for 10 plus years has been associated with the higher odds of hypertension for male agricultural workers. And they're also at increased odds for obesity for both male and female agriculture workers. Another risk to consider is the pesticide exposure faced by agriculture workers that may also be associated with type 2 diabetes so when it comes to type 2 diabetes and complications of diabetes, these are just some of the risk and challenges, but there are so many others that agriculture workers face. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, that information about the connection between pesticide exposure and diabetes, that was certainly new information for me when I started working with NCFH. But I'm sure that, you know, our listeners can identify with a lot of these challenges. You know, getting someone to come back for that second visit uh, to stay engaged with their DSMES program or to complete their diabetes prevention program. And that's challenging for all populations. But when you're like, well, a month later, they might be a thousand miles from where they went to their first visit. That's, you know, all the more challenging. Right. It becomes harder when you're moving from place to place. And just that, you know, continuity of care is such a big challenge across the board. And when you're looking at a migratory population, that becomes like even more important. So what barriers to diabetes care and prevention exist for agricultural workers once they know they're diagnosed? So there's several barriers and challenges that come to mind, but you actually touched on one of them. I think the main one, which is the migratory lifestyle. You know, it interrupts the continuity of care, as you mentioned, and how they can follow up with their visits and mm -hmm. monitor their disease on an ongoing uh, and uninterrupted way. So that is one of the key things for them. As the high cost of glucometers and test strips, which is a big thing for everyone, mm -hmm. but especially for migrant act workers uh, who have low wages and move from place to place, identify where can they get it is an issue. Another thing that comes to mind is the high difficulty of adherence to diabetes-friendly diet. Even though they're out in the field growing the same vegetables that we recommend them to eat, many times they don't have the access to them. And they live in food deserts that don't have anything other than a dollar store or a convenience store around. And access to fresh fruit and vegetables is hard. Another thing that comes to mind is income. They usually don't get paid time off work to go to their follow-up appointments or to go visit the clinic. That is not in existence. So when they actually can go, the clinic is closed. So there's also concern over lost wages and even job loss when they are actually sick and need to take leave. So that's a, an issue for them. And because they are in rural areas, many times uh, they don't have great access to broadband. So that creates another issue of not being able to access to telehealth options. 
So it's all an ongoing thing. And lastly, it's a lack of cultural linguistic appropriate resources. And that's something that SEFH tries to address directly. Yeah, thank you. It's kind of ironic and tragic that these workers who supply fruits and vegetables for grocery stores all across the country, you know, don't have access to these fresh fruits and vegetables within their own communities. They don't have access to affordable, healthy foods that can make sure that they stay healthy and continue to be healthy parts of their family and contribute to our communities. And that really kind of struck home of, you know, sort of the disparity that we're seeing within accessing healthy foods. So it sounds like many of these challenges are not just barriers to care, but also about the ability of healthcare teams to connect with people, you know, just as you were saying, Maria, like to provide those culturally and linguistically appropriate resources to provide that culturally connected care. Um, so for our listeners who are working within immigrant communities, or maybe they're working within rural areas, could you share some of the strategies you use to engage people in prevention or diabetes care? So that, that's a good question. And the solution is easy to identify, but it's difficult to implement, right? There is a need to build interdisciplinary teams working together and leveraging community health workers to conduct outreach within our populations. We have to build those networks that our patients need so badly for their, as, a, as their supports and start thinking as a team and acting as such. So that I think is key. Another important solution is to target promotions to the specific population you're trying to reach. So let them know the services they have available for them. And we need to leverage tools like messaging apps, like WhatsApp, to meet participants where they are, giving them the information that they need. So all those are important solutions to address those barriers specifically. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've had solutions that were easy to identify, but hard to implement. You know, I think that's something that a lot of our listeners can relate to of like, wow, I know exactly what we need to do, but it's just really hard to get there. And so something that, you know, we talk a lot about at ADCES is how can we leverage technology so that we're working smarter and we're overcoming those implementation barriers. So, you know, we're big fans of using technology and I love the idea of using WhatsApp. Um, it's such a great example of the innovative ways that healthcare professionals can use technology to reach people, to improve their efficiencies, to get better health outcomes. So, you know, I want to stay on WhatsApp for a second. I imagine that it's great, not just for this outreach, but also for engagement and retention, you know, getting people to come back to your diabetes self-management education and support program or diabetes prevention program. So what other tools do you use that can help with that engagement piece or improve the level of care that your teams provide? Yeah, so as we all know, with the COVID pandemic, there were definitely a lot of things that shifted, especially within the healthcare setting. And just like you mentioned, we had to come up with new ways uh, for outreach and for engagement. So we worked really hard to develop lots of new different tools, really aimed to build that capacity with the care team, 
and to educate members of the community. So I guess to start off with, um, just going back a little bit to the WhatsApp tool guide, um, we found that that one was really important because a lot of individuals we have heard or seen already use it in their personal lives. So it would hopefully be easier for them to also use it for their healthcare education. So the WhatsApp tool guide that we created allows providers to leverage the WhatsApp application to address some of the challenges they face. So the guide highlights one way of providing teleeducation to patients using WhatsApp. And it also includes a participant telehealth readiness tool. So this tool provides health centers a method of assessing a participant's readiness for teleeducation and their willingness and ability to utilize WhatsApp. So they kind of get to figure out where the patients are at in their ability in using the technology and what it is that they need to train them on in order for it to be successful. Um, some of the other tools created were the Empowerment Trail game and the Jeopardy game. So these are both really great tools to use with the care team, and they can either be used virtually or in person. The Jeopardy game includes a step-by-step -step guide to set up your own Jeopardy game with the national DPP participants. This one was specifically made for the session on Keep Your Heart Healthy. So through this game, you can also give prizes to the participants to continue keeping them more engaged, to have them mm -hmm. um, coming back. Uh, prizes are always a good way for engagement. In addition to that, like I mentioned, we did the Empowerment Trail game. And that one is based on the ADCES 7. And it is such a fun and engaging way for facilitators and coaches to practice their facilitation technique skills. So this one is, is aimed towards the facilitators and the coaches. And through this game, they're able to gain practice through utilizing uh, different scenarios to help them better understand each facilitation technique skill. So the overall goal of this empowerment trail game is to help them strengthen their skills and understanding to improve their delivery of the National Diabetes Prevention Program and really increase the success of the DPP participants. Additionally, there's also a shopping and cooking tool that we created, uh, which is available. It's like an interactive map that guides you through a shopping trip at the supermarket to help you select uh, healthy options to cook. Um, so there's lots of different resources and tools on our website. But one of the last items that I'd like to highlight are two handouts um, that we created highlighting two of the seven self-care behaviors. The first handout is centered around being active and is really geared towards men, especially men with physically demanding jobs. Uh, the second handout is centered around reducing risk, specifically focused on men as well. So yes, many, many different tools and resources available for all to use. That's fantastic. And um, I've had the joy of being able to work with your team on a lot of these materials and try them out within our own uh, network of prevention sites. And I hear about these tools every day. I was just on a webinar the other day and one of our speakers was talking about how fun it is to play the Jeopardy game with her um, diabetes prevention program participants and how that really feeds into engagement and retention for her group. And as you know, I love the empowerment trail game and I have... Uh, threaten to play this at the ADCES office because I think it's just just a really fun game and it gets you using those empowerment and motivational interviewing 
strategies. And again, everything very focused on the ADCES 7. So for listeners out there that are using the ADCES 7 um, healthy self-care behaviors, these are all really nicely aligned and available for you. So thank you so much for sharing those. And we'll be sure to share those resources in the show notes. So we've talked a lot about community health workers, and I've really loved hearing about how you're helping community health workers, including like our lifestyle coaches that work on the prevention program, build their skills, you know, build their motivational interviewing skills and their engagement skills and their technology skills. Um, Do you also support nurses and dietitians and pharmacists and other healthcare professionals so that they can continue to grow um, professionally as well? Yes, I'm so glad that you asked that question. We actually recently held a diabetes learning collaborative to help individuals become certified diabetes care and education specialists. Uh, So this was a six-week program. It was held bi-weekly for two hours per session. And we held it in the evenings to kind of open it up a little bit more for individuals so that it wouldn't interfere so much with their work hours. And these sessions were led by a chronic disease subject matter expert who is also a certified diabetes care and education specialist. And during these sessions, we covered, um, there was like an overview of what would be covered in the CDCES exam. And it was really geared to help prepare individuals to sit for the exam. After the six-week sessions were over, we had like a three-month follow-up session. And we got some really great feedbacks. One individual that uh, attended the Learning Collaborative had already sat for the exam and she passed. So we were so excited about that. There were others who were scheduled to take the exam and they were just kind of continuing to study in preparation for the upcoming test dates. So yeah, we were really happy to hear that this was a completely free learning collaborative. So that was very helpful to them as well. And we're still continuing to get updates and we really look forward to seeing more certified diabetes care and education specialists out there because it really is such a great opportunity for building confidence and building the capacity of the healthcare worker overall. Oh my gosh, it's so great to hear about this crossover work with diabetes care and education specialist. We would love to have many more yes. <laughs> diabetes care and education <laughs> specialists, and especially within, you know, migrant health centers and community health centers that are really on the front lines of primary care and diabetes care for, you know, so many vulnerable communities, including agricultural workers. So, I'm sure that there are a million ways that we could collaborate together. If there are any diabetes care and education specialists that are out there listening right now and they want to help you and support your work, advance this work, what are some things that they could do? Yes, yes, yes. There are so many ways to get involved, whether it be through the individual or organizational levels. We encourage anyone who would like to support or get involved to sign up for our Agricultural Worker Access Campaign. All are welcome to sign up via our website at ncfh.org. So there'll be a link at the very bottom that says Ag Worker Access Campaign. Uh, Once you click on that, you'll see that there is a campaign toolbox with lots of different resources. You'll see a link to increase access to care for agricultural worker trainings, as well as the option to sign up and join. This campaign serves to assist community and migrant health center staff accurately identify and report their agricultural worker patients served. So it really helps you to identify like if the agriculture worker is migratory, seasonal, aged or disabled, and to establish agriculture worker occupation and identify other family members. 
which is all part of that verification process. So I encourage you to sign up for the campaign. But aside from that, you can also check out our Diabetes Resource Hub to learn about the different learning collaboratives, like the one that I mentioned um, just now. We have lots of different learning collaboratives available in different topics and different areas. So be sure to check that out. You can also go onto our website and we have listed the different NCFH webinars that are offered. So yes, so many different ways to get involved and we would love to collaborate with each of you. Great. Thank you so much. And uh, I hope that our members take advantage of uh, some of the resources that you have available. So as we come to the end of our conversation, are there any final thoughts that you'd like to share with listeners to get them inspired and to take action within their own communities? Really, I encourage everyone to consider the cultural competencies of materials in your practices and consider the health literacy of your patients. So always identify who your patient is. Are your materials really meeting the needs of those patients? So conducting audits on your materials, right, that give you the right sense of are they working or not. Give them out to your patients and have them tell you, or what are you understanding? So using those different facilitation techniques mm-hmm. and teach back methods, just like uh, using fun ways of training on those, like just like Megan uh, shared the different tools, that's very important. And I think that we can help understand if the materials are the right ones that we're giving out. Another thing I would strongly advocate for is to identify those agricultural workers in your practice. Mm-hmm. We have a website, as Megan shared, with lots of different materials that health centers can use, like the questions that you can add in your intake to help identify them. Learn more about the resources available to agricultural workers specifically that you can share with them once you have them identified. So that's a very important process that we sometimes don't think about. Uh, another thing that I would really recommend is the use of our Call for Health or Una Voz para la Salud. It's a helpline. It's a national toll-free bilingual health information and referral service for farm workers and their families. So we have a phone number and a WhatsApp number as well that you can share with your patients that are agricultural workers and they will be connected to the resources they need at the time they need it. That's so important. So in a nutshell, I think that the most important thing is that you always identify who your patient is. Your patient is important. And you must identify who they are to be able to deliver the best service to them. And NCFH is here to support specifically agricultural workers, but to support the work around diabetes. Excellent. Thank you so much. It's more and more, the longer I do this work, you know, it's really so clear to me that collecting this data is a health equity issue. That, you know, if we don't see those agricultural workers that we're serving, you know, within our hospital or health center, you know, we're not able to provide those culturally relevant services to them. We're not even able to ask them if this is the, you know, right resource for them or connect them to additional care through that, you know, health line. Um, So by starting to see the agricultural workers that we're working with, that makes a huge difference. So that's a great call to action to leave everyone with on this call. 
thank you so much, Megan and Maria, for being here on The Huddle. And thanks to all of you for listening to this week's episode of The Huddle. I hope that after listening to this episode, you'll see that today's learnings and practical tips can be applied to so many of the patient populations you may be working with, from workers in food processing plants to Spanish-speaking individuals in rural settings or everywhere. So make sure that you access the resources discussed here today in the show notes, which are available at diabeteseducator.org slash podcast. And remember, being an ADCES member gets you access to many more tools, resources, and guidance to help you in your practice. Discover the many resources, educational materials, and networking opportunities that are available to ADCES members by visiting diabeteseducator.org slash join. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.